0: All right, today I am actually doing the last message in this series on faith practices. Uh, so so if, if you're visiting, if you're new with us today, or if you're uh, just getting back from your summer cottage locations, however that works, we've actually been talking about faith practices all summer long in one way or another, going through these habits these patterns that we do as followers of God that help us grow to be better disciples. That's what we've been talking about all summer. And today is sort of the summary of that. I'm going to bring that all together today. Uh, but if you are new to this, uh, you can still follow along, right? It's not that you're missing the entire thing because we'll cover what's all been um, part of this series as we go through this. Something that helps us understand what it means to be better disciples. Now, I've been saying that all summer long, too. Better disciples. That we are people called to follow Jesus as his disciples. And, And sometimes maybe we think discipleship is a yes or no thing. I either am a disciple or I am not a disciple, as though it's an on or off switch. But what we've been saying all summer long is that discipleship is always something we can do better, that we can be better disciples. When we embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord, We make a promise in that direction. Um, For those who are part of our faith tradition and you know what profession of faith is and, and how we do profession of faith, that whenever we have a profession of faith, I always talk with people before profession of faith about what it means for Jesus to be Savior and Lord. Because that's one of the things we profess with our faith is that we accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. To say that Jesus is my Savior means that I acknowledge that I am justified by God through the work of Jesus on the cross. That it is entirely a work of God's grace. That I do nothing to be justified myself. That's what I mean when I say Jesus is my Savior. I cannot save myself. Jesus is the one who saves. But then we also say that I embrace Jesus as Lord. And those are two different things. To say Jesus is savior and to say Jesus is lord. When I say Jesus is lord, then I'm talking about sanctification. That with the Holy Spirit's help in my life that I come to grow day by day to be conformed more and more into the image of Jesus. It's a continual process. It's ongoing. It never stops that we always move in that direction when we say Jesus is Lord. So for those of us who have made that step of profession of faith and have said, publicly we've said, I embrace Jesus as my Savior and my Lord, we have declared to the church, I am going to follow Jesus as his disciple. A process that grows day by day to become better disciples of Jesus. That's what we profess about that. It's not a new idea to do that. And that's why these faith practices, as we've been calling them, sometimes maybe you've heard of them referred to as spiritual disciplines, they've been around for a long, long time. We didn't make these things up, but it's been a part of the tradition of God's people from the very beginning. And so today, today I'm talking about what it means to make a discipleship plan, making a personal discipleship plan, a way that I'm going to have a strategy for me to become a better disciple. That's not a new idea either. That's not something we're making up for the first time here. In fact, that's been talked about and written about for centuries. Now, it always, it has not always been called a discipleship plan. That's sort of the language I'm putting to it because, well, that just makes sense with the way we operate in our culture today, that we are people who make plans that way. But those who've been doing this for centuries and centuries have not been calling it a discipleship plan. They had another word for it. In fact, you go back to like the third, fourth, and fifth centuries, the times when uh, some of the saints of the church lived, Augustine, Benedict, Basil, they had a word for it themselves. They called it a rule of life. And maybe you've heard that term before. In fact, for those who've written about faith practices over the last 20 years or so, that term has sort of come back. And it's been referenced by various authors of a rule of life. In fact, you could go and Google St. Augustine rule of life or rule of life in faith. And you'd find all the resources that go back centuries about that. We're talking about that same thing. We're just using language that makes sense with the world we live in today. But it's not new. God's people have always done this. We're not making something up here. And for that matter, it finds its roots in the Bible. That there's something in Scripture about this too that we get a direction from God's word towards this. So these faith practices that we've been looking at, and I'll put the list up here. Uh, It's in your sermon notes today too, that you'll see all 12 of these there. This is what we've been looking at over the summer. And, and I will say, for those of you who've been with us for the summer, okay, we've spent one week on each of these, and you just sort of get a little taste of what it's like, and then you move on. So we've gone over these very quickly. And maybe you, you can't even remember back to the end of May when we started with Sabbath. It felt like so long ago. So it might take a little refresher to get these back. Or... If you've been away for the summer or you're new here today, you're looking at this list for the first time and wondering, what are these things? We'll sort of gloss over that a little bit. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but we'll, we'll move forward with where this goes. Okay, That's the 12 faith practices that we've been looking at over the summer. T- today I want to talk about what it means to take something of that and have a discipleship plan. So what are my next steps moving forward? We've looked at all 12 of these things, and we've given a little try of all of them, but now what do I do? Where do I go with this? It, in some ways, maybe feels like overwhelming information. There's been so much. What do I do with it? That's what we're going to think about today and get into that. To help us put a frame around that, I want to use some words that come from the Apostle Paul, from his letter to the church in Ephesus. So this is from Ephesians, and I'm going to jump around a couple of passages here. I'm going to begin with some verses that come at the end of chapter 2, and then move into some verses that come towards the end of chapter 3, and they are connected that way. Um, So it's printed in your bulletin there, but you can see it in the Bibles that are in the chairs there as well that this is Paul's way of giving us a framework for understanding how it is we move forward as God's people. Okay? So, beginning with the end of chapter 2. I'm going to be beginning at verse 19. This is where Paul says this. He says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. Then moving to the end of chapter 3. For this reason, and the reason there connects back to exactly where we left off at the end of chapter 2. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being faith practices, and a plan for discipleship. Let's think about how these words from Paul puts that together for us, okay? Let's move with this. Uh, First of all, let's just remind ourselves a a little bit of the context around those words in Ephesians. That letter that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, that he's writing to a group of people that he's trying to bring to unity together. You see that, especially if you move forward into chapter 4. If you read Ephesians chapter 4, it's all about an encouragement for the church to be united as one. But he also reminds them of the gospel. So if you back up to earlier in chapter 2, it's in Ephesians 2 where we read some of those words that are so familiar from the Apostle Paul where he says, it is by grace through faith that you have been saved. And this not of yourselves, but a work of God. It's in chapter 2 that Paul writes those words that God has ordained works for us to do, which he's prepared in advance for us to do. That we're created in Christ Jesus for that. That Paul is setting the stage for this, of where he wants his people in the church to move together in God's word. We see something of that context. It's in chapter 2 then, Also, earlier in chapter 2, where Paul talks about the breaking down of walls. It's in chapter 2 earlier that Paul says the wall of hostility has been removed, and and the dividing wall that he's referring to is, is a wall that actually physically existed. It was in Jerusalem, in the temple. That in the temple courts, they built a wall within the temple courts to have a court of the Gentiles, and then a court of The Jewish people. So for those who came to worship God at the temple in Jerusalem, if you were not a Jewish person, you could only come into the very outer court. And that's all the further you could get in because there was a wall, a dividing wall that stopped those who were Gentiles from coming any further, any closer to the presence of God. Only the people of Israel, the Jewish people, could go further in. Paul writes in Ephesians 2, that wall is gone. There's nothing now that separates anyone from the presence of God. All are invited to be in the presence of God. That's what he's talking about in chapter 2 with that language. And so he's urging the people here to act as one people, to come together like that. If God has broken down that wall that divides people, then we are brought together because it's God who brings us together. That's where he's going with that. That we have this interconnectedness. We caught glimpses of that in the passage that we read here today. Right in, in verse 22, chapter 2, it says, And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Do you see the language of? interconnectedness, that God is bringing people together, his church together, but he's also doing that with Christ as the thing that holds us together, that it is because of Jesus that we have this oneness together as God's people, connected that way. And that connection has a result. There's something that happens because of that. Not just that, okay, so we're one people, we're one church, but what else happens as the result of that? That came in this passage too, a little further on. He says, verse 19, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. That it's God's purpose, it's God's intent, it's God's will, it's God's desire for us to be full of His Spirit. That's what we've been talking about all summer. I know we've been talking about habits, faith practices, these things that we do as disciples of Jesus, but... Because we've been saying, you know what, we do these things for a reason. We do these things because we want to be better disciples. And if we become better disciples, we experience more of fullness of God in our lives. That we can be closer to knowing what it means to be filled to the measure with the fullness of God. That's what we're after, to be better disciples. Not just so I can check more boxes. Look, I'm doing more. No, that's not what we're after. We're after a fullness of God's Spirit. That's why we do these things. And we see here from Ephesians, this is a work that starts with God. We're not the ones who figure out how to do this. It's God who opens the door and makes this possible. It's God who starts this path for us and shows us the way. So as we consider a discipleship plan, as you consider what it means for me, how am I going to get there? How am I going to do this? How am I going to take a couple steps forward in getting towards that fullness of God's Spirit? Let's recognize a couple things about it that come from this. Let's recognize, first of all, that we see from this passage that discipleship needs the Holy Spirit. That should be a comforting thing. It should be a comforting thing because, I don't know, you look back at this list of 12 things we looked at all summer, and and maybe you think, that's overwhelming. Look at all these things I have to figure out. But the reason that we have the Holy Spirit so that we have a guide in that process. That God is the one who comes to us and says, I'm not leaving this for you to walk and do all by yourself. No. But God himself works with us. That's key. It is key to understanding this, that this is something that we do in step with the Holy Spirit, looking for the Spirit's guidance. It's clear in this passage we read, from Ephesians that Paul is making that abundantly clear. It is God's spirit in us that equips us for this journey of discipleship. So that's one thing we see. The other thing we see about discipleship in this passage is that it needs community. Discipleship needs community. Paul uses words of a house, right? We're being built together, a household of faith as he calls it in this passage. That It was never God's intent, never God's intent, that his people would walk this journey of faith and discipleship alone. That was never the design. But from the very beginning, when God created people, he said, it's not good for a person to be alone. So God creates community. And discipleship happens in community. You see that in this passage as well. That God is calling us to do this together. So that's a framework. A framework that I want us to see in this passage as we get into this discussion of what a discipleship plan is. Because there will be a point here where I'm, I'm going to encourage us to think about discipleship personally. We've looked at 12 faith practices and the one or two of those things that maybe resonate the most and become part of your discipleship plan may be completely different than anyone else's here. But that does not mean we do discipleship alone. That we still do that in community together. And we do that by the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. All right, let me put this list back up then of these 12 faith practices that we've looked at over the summer as we've looked at that as you think about that some of you who've been here all summer and you've been maybe trying some of these out taking notes exploring some of that some of you who maybe are looking at this for the first time and thinking oh that's curious i've never thought about that as a faith practice i wonder what that's about all of that's okay because we're going to start to work with this list and see where this goes. Here's my encouragement then. I want to workshop this a little bit, that we actually do something with this today, all right? So if you've got that list, and the list is in your bulletin as well, so you've got it in the sermon notes there. I want you to do a couple of things when you look at this, as everything that we've looked at as faith practice habits, practicing Sabbath, gratitude, generosity, hospitality, Engaging scripture, justice and mercy, the practice of listening, of celebrating, of prayer, the practice of wonder, of remembering, and of service. Here's what I want you to do first. Let's workshop something here. I want you to pick one that resonates. And what I mean by resonates is something that feels life-giving, that, that's rejuvenating, that's energizing, right? Something that you look at and, and you see that and you think to yourself, that is something that just makes me feel so alive with God. And maybe you've had that experience as we've gone through all 12 of these over the summer, one that just, that one really connected. I love that one. I wish I could develop more of those habits, right? Pick one that way. Or maybe, maybe it's more of, wow, I've got like three or four or five of them that all are that category. In that case, don't pick five. Uh, Just put some check marks, right? Mark them somehow, because eventually what I'm going to want you to do is narrow it down to one. But start with something. If these are brand new and you've never seen these before, you know what? Pick ones that you're just most curious about. Something that jumps out of that list that you think, I would love to figure out how to do that better. Right? Pick something, though. Start with that. Start with that one. That one that resonates and feels so life-giving, so rejuvenating, so energizing. It just grounds you as a person of God. That's one that I want us to go with. That we would start with just one out of that list that for you is that thing that really connects you with God. And it may be different for everyone here what that one would be. But it's important to pick one. To have one like that. And then I want you to pick a second one. And the second one is going to be a little bit different. The second one is one that is challenging. So find one on that list that's more challenging than all the others. Challenging in the sense of this is a faith practice that really stretches my boundaries. This is something that really pushes me outside of my comfort zone. This is one that I look at, and you know what? My first inclination, the first thought in my head is to put an X through it. That's not me. That's not something I can do. Maybe it's not even something that I want to do because it feels so uncomfortable, so outside of who I am. One like that out of this list. One that you would look at and say, you know what, that would not be the one I would choose. But, but here's the thing, here's the thing. I look at that list and I choose that one because I know, I know if I choose that one and if I really try it, I would be pushed to grow in ways that I have never grown before. I'd be pressed past comfort zones that I've used as an excuse, a wall, to keep me from taking steps forward. But I'm gonna take a challenge here, a challenge to move in a direction that maybe I've never moved in before as a disciple of God. And I'll try that, I'll commit to that, of something that is a bit beyond what I would normally choose to do. So, those two things. That's where I want us to go with this one today. That we're going to take this list that we've seen of all 12 of these faith practices and try to get it down to two. One of those two is something that I can't wait. In fact, I love the time when I can spend doing that one because that feels so life-giving. And one, that's going to be some work. This one's going to push me in a new place that I'm kind of reluctant to try, but I know it would be so good for me if I did. Those two things. So look at that list, think of those two things, and get there. And if you're in the place of, you know what, I need to maybe explore these a little further, fine, do that. Put some check marks, get yourself a list. Um, We've been using this Faith Practices book all summer that has, there's like a two or three page chapter for each one of these. Not long chapters. But go back to that. Read up on some of them again. But get yourself down to that list. Or go on the website where we've got the web link resources for that. Dig into that. So if you, if you can't walk out of here today with that list of two, get yourself there. Take that home. Make that happen. Do a little research around it. But find those two out of that. But then here's where I I want us to go with that, when we take that. The next thing to do is to share that. Share it with somebody in the coming week, in the coming days, with a friend or family member or someone that you can get some good, honest feedback. Because we saw in this passage today from the Apostle Paul that we don't walk this journey of discipleship alone. We don't do this by ourselves So maybe it would be a really good step if I took that list of those two things that I've got circled on my list and I connected with another person and I said, hey, I want to share with you the two that are on my list that come forward and and the reasons why. And if it's a trusted person, I can get some feedback on that, right? Someone who can tell me, yep, that makes sense. Definitely that one resonates with who you are. Definitely that one is going to press you as something that, You will grow if you do that. Let somebody else confirm that for you, especially if you're in a place of, I don't have two, I've just got a bunch of check marks. I don't know how to get my list down to two. Let somebody else help you with that just by talking it through. Make that connection. Do that with someone and do it soon. Find a space in the coming week to do that. But get that one out there in front of some other people. Let's help each other with that. As we do that, sharing it with someone else. And then my encouragement is take it slow. Now, this is going to be a change because we've gone through a series all summer long where we've looked at one of these faith practices every week, and we've only given it one week, and then you move on. So we've been blitzing pretty quickly through all of these all summer. Now it's time to do something of the opposite and slow down. Now it's not a sprint, now it's a marathon. And we need to set a pace. So take it slow. If, as Paul tells us in Ephesians, that discipleship needs the Holy Spirit, then maybe the first place I should go with that is prayer. Before I start thinking of, so what are the habits I'm going to do now? So where am I going to fit this into my schedule? So how am I going to make these connections? Before I even begin thinking about that, how about the first step is I pray about it? Especially if I'm in a place where I don't even have one circled. right? There, I've got a bunch of check marks and I don't know which one to go. Start with prayer. Start with a connection with God on that. Pray about which faith practice I will take to the next level. Begin praying that God would show you the habits and the steps to make that happen. That God would reveal to you how that can be embraced in your life. Don't jump ahead to that next step of I'm going to make all my plans now. I'm going to ask us to resist that. Resist our planning urge. And just let it sit with the Holy Spirit for a while. Take it slow. Bring it to God in prayer. Give yourself some time then to explore faith practice habits. We went through these things so quickly over the summer. If you get yourself down to a list of two, go back into the booklet and look again at the suggestions for ways to do those faith practices and explore those things further. Just give yourself some time to figure it out. Go beyond the resources that are there. Bring that to someone else to talk about. But don't start making a list of anything and everything, here we go. But try to do some discernment about how these practices will take shape in your own life. Further explore them and take some time to do that. And then, of course, bounce it around with some other people. Get some guidance. Uh, Have some feedback that comes from others as you think about how that incorporates into your own life. So there may be a menu of faith practices that look different for every single one of us. But I do not want us to walk away from this series over the summer having this just be information learned. All right, 12 faith practices. I've learned about 12 of them. Pack it up, move it on to the next thing. I don't want that. I want that next step. That next step where we would say, yes, I want to be a better disciple of Jesus. I know I can't do 12 things at once. I can't do all of them. But give me those next steps. Give me those one or two things that I can grab hold of. And take the time to do that right. Take the time for that to become a part of the pattern of discipleship that we have. Now, we're going to give you one more thing along the process there because we do think this works better in a group, right? That, that we are community. So we do these things in communities. So what we are doing this fall is we're, we're having over the next couple of months an opportunity to be in a faith practices group. And that's what that insert in the bulletin today is for, right? That thing where you sign up and check one of the three boxes. That's to sign up to be in one of these groups. And it's a group that uh, we have three sessions that we've developed to go through it. And we picked three of these faith practices, and maybe it's it's up here, right? The practice of gratitude, the practice of engaging scripture, and the practice of prayer. Maybe you look at that and say, but I didn't circle any of those. Those aren't on my list. But we chose those three to be a group experience for us to begin with for a reason, even if it's not on your list. We chose those three because we looked at this list and we thought these three are foundational for everybody in some way. That no matter what menu of faith practices we choose, everyone should have some experience of practicing gratitude. That we're all called to do that. And we all become better disciples by that. It helps us. That no matter what your list of faith practices is, we all need to be engaging with Scripture. The Bible, the Word of God, is key for every single one of us. That we all need a base and a foundation of that. And we all need a foundation of prayer as a faith practice. We chose these three because we think these three are universal in some way. We all need something of all three of these. So we're giving an experience to say, here's what it's like to do faith practices in a group with other people. And we've chosen these three to do it. And we have a session for each of them. So there's three sessions. Sign up to be in a group. But you'll notice that we've got two of them already sort of slotted to go. A Tuesday afternoon group or a Thursday evening group. Or if neither of those options work, there's the third check mark of, I really want to be in a group, but neither of those times work. So check that one then. But take that opportunity to be in a faith practices group and have some experience of what it means, what it feels like to do faith practices with other people together in a group that way. Or if you've got a busy life, don't try to add another thing in, but fit it in something that's already there. I know that many of you are already in a small group of some kind. If you're in a small group of some kind, we'll give you the sessions. We'll give you the material. Do it with your small group that you already have. Or it doesn't have to be a group of seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 people. If it's just two or three of you, because I know some of you. I know that there's people here who every week, there's just three of you who get together and pray together. Three is enough. But if you want to do that, we'll give you the sessions. We'll give you the material to try this out. So you don't have to create a whole other layer of something to do in my busy life. Find the place in your life where there's already space for that to fit and make that happen. But that's a commitment that we're putting in front of us here too. That not only do we get ourselves down to that list of one or two things that are the faith practices that I'm going to commit myself to working with moving forward. But also, I'm going to commit myself to trying this out in a group with other people to know what that's like to have a community doing faith practices together. Those are the opportunities that we're putting before you. That's the roadmap. That's the way that we're going to take a discipleship plan forward on this. But it comes with a blessing. I want us to see that as we close this, that there's a blessing That maybe this looks like, wow, this is all work. Pastor, you just gave us a whole lot of homework today of things to do, to be busy. But it comes with a blessing. A blessing that God is the one who goes before us. God is the one who embraces and guides us on this. That Paul reassures the people when he says, to him who is... Able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. So if everything I've said today about a personal discipleship plan feels overwhelming, where do I start? I can't do this. This is just too much. Remember that It's God's power within us. And if it feels like something where I don't know what's going to come of that, I don't know what the result would be, I don't know where it's supposed to take me, it is God who does immeasurably more than all that we can even ask or even imagine. That Jesus invites us to be his disciples. He embraces us on that journey. So, step into what God can do in and through his people more than we ask or imagine when I profess Jesus as my Lord and I accept the call to follow him in discipleship. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word and the reminder in your word that you are the one who goes before us that this journey of faith that we walk is not something we figure out all by ourselves, but you are the one who makes the path for that. Lord, we're sorry for times when maybe we have brushed that aside. Sorry for times when maybe we've thought, I've got it all figured out. I don't need any more steps forward. Sorry for times when we have professed you as Lord, but not taken any steps in that direction. And Lord, we pray that uh, as we know we are forgiven and embraced by you, that you would guide us on those next steps. So God, today I pray for a a boldness, a certain boldness that we know that only you can give, a boldness that says, yep, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pick two things off this list. I'm going to talk to someone this week about it. And I'm going to see where that next step goes to a place that's more than I can ask or imagine because it's a place where you are leading. I pray this in the name of Jesus.